You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. With everything the Green Bay Packers have dealt with this season, there is simply no reason they should be 9-3 heading into their bye. And yet, that's exactly where they are. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's. They're running on fumes, but still had just enough to drag this one across the finish line. 36-28 win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Thank you. God, the bye week has finally, finally arrived for the Packers because they are exhausted, shot, spent, wiped, whatever term you want to use. You could, I thought, really see this after, well, basically from right after Razul Douglas's pick six near the end of the third quarter until the game was over. That play, oh, what a big play that was. Definitely more on that as we move along here tonight. But you could almost feel the team collectively hit empty at that moment, couldn't you? I could. And I mean, from there, it just became like, fight, scratch, claw, do anything you can to help move this freaking clock along so we can get the hell out of here with a win. And they were able to do just that, which is really great, really, really impressive. And you know, it's extra sweet. It's extra sweet. When you toss in the dirty nonsense from the Rams in this one. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald was grabbing Lucas Patrick by the throat after a play at one point. Did you catch that? Donald, look, to me, Donald has always been kind of a quietly dirty player, I think. People overlook a lot of it because he's, you know, he's just so great. But I mean, yeah, it's there. And then the complete and total cheap shot by... I actually, you know what, I never did catch a guy's name, but that bum who drilled Darnell Savage on the onside kick right at the end of the game. Savage wasn't even really going for the ball. He was just kind of near it, you know? Amos was the one going for the ball. Savage had his head down. I mean, and that guy clearly wanted to unleash a little frustration on Savage, and he did, and that was total bullshit. Total bullshit. Savage appeared injured on the play, which, I mean, that scared the hell out of me. I'm sure it scared the hell out of you also. Now, he did tweet afterwards that he's okay, so that's good. That's the most important thing. But still, I'm not going to front. I am definitely, I'm salty about that one still. Definitely. That's a dude, I'll tell you what, that's a dude, I hope they remembered his number in the event these teams meet again. Because I'll tell you, you got to line that fucker up and pop him real good and get his ass back for what he did on that play, what he did in this game. That was garbage. Anywho, with the win, the Packers head into their week off at 9-3, and three, as I mentioned in the opening. Of course, still good enough for first place in the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings, who won their Super Bowl last week, <laughs> went out west and lost to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday by a score of 34-26 to 26, to see their overall mark dip to 5-6. and six. But they do remain in second place for whatever that's worth. They're only a game ahead of the Chicago Bears now, though, 
as the Bears went into Detroit on Thursday and defeated the Lions in the Sadness Bowl, the Tragic Bowl, the Toilet Bowl, 16-14. The Lions are now 0-10-1, which, you know, I'll tell you about the Lions. I mean, you know what? Hey, Lucas Raymond scored the game winner in overtime for the Red Wings on Saturday night to beat Buffalo. Did you see that? Raymond, Mo Sider, bright future for those Detroit Red Wings. You know, I think maybe I'm just going to do that instead of talking about how the Lions did that particular week going forward, right? So if they lost, I'll just do a little wing. I'll I'll just do some wings talk instead. And then you'll know that the Lions are still winless. And I'm going to workshop that. I think that might be my plan going forward. I'll just be like, the Lions... Ah, the Red Wings went 2-1 last week. (laughs) Something to that effect. And you know, it's still a tad early to talk about such things. But the Packers are currently the number two seed in the NFC playoffs right now. They're a half game back of the 9-2 Arizona Cardinals, who were on bye this week. And a half game up on the 8-3 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who came back in the second half Sunday to defeat the Indianapolis Colts. Before we get into the fun, God, I hope you're having fun already. I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least tolerate Twitter. Lemps, M-K-E, at It's Just Chris Now. An interesting day for me on Twitter on Saturday, as it always is. The day of the Minnesota-Wisconsin game. The battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Always an interesting day. I always change my avatar from the well-known, some may say infamous, Green Donut to the Block M to represent Minnesota because I'm a Gopher alum. Always, I always lose followers that day. (laughs) No matter what I do. If the Badgers win by 30, 30, (laughs) voice cracked. Again, another long day of yelling at the TV, watching the Packers. I swear my voice doesn't crack like this during the week. It's only on Sunday nights after yelling all day watching football. Um, if the Gophers, if the Badgers win, which they usually do, I lose followers. And if the Gophers win, as they did yesterday, I always lose a lot of followers. Always lose a lot of followers on that, you know? And it's like, I just want to say quick, Badger fans, you've won 16 of the last 18. You gotta allow me a little shit talking. You gotta allow me to talk a little trash when the Gophers win. Come on! Do I sound like a Viking fan after the Vikings beat the Pack? I might, but I'm just ignoring that. Because I don't like the Vikings. I, I do like the Gophers because I went to school there. But yes, I realize I probably sound like a Vikings fan when I do that. I can't help myself. It's a big deal when we beat Wisconsin. It just is. It's a big deal for us, you know? All right, anyways. So there was that. And then gained some followers back on Sunday. Everybody, most of the people who want to follow, they always come back. I remember their names. Don't worry. I know who you are. And I, I know when you come back. Because <laughs> I'm petty. All right, uh, Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Me like you those the most. Four stars are good too. A compliment, positive, negative. Do you really want to be negative? It's the holiday. We're officially in Christmas season now. It's the holiday season. Do you really want to be negative now? Come on. Uh, we're also on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. We're on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there. Search for Packers Talk. And again, just I'm just going to keep telling you, just subscribe. Mash down on that subscribe button. 
and then we deliver the shit right to your phone, you don't have to do any work. It's just right there. That's what I would say. And again, if you're listening on a platform that I don't mention, it's not iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, let me know. If it's Overcast or something else, let me know. I would love to know about that. Okay, now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about this Packers dub. A nice bounce back dub after losing an extremely winnable game last Sunday in Minneapolis. Bounce back dubs are always satisfying. They really show off a team's resiliency. And we know these 2021 Packers are nothing if not resilient as hell. They're tough. This is a tough football team, man. I'll tell you what. I mean, they frankly had any number of reasons to airmail this one in against a good opponent. And they just simply refused to do that. They just found a way to win. You know, and you love that. You got to love that. And when we talk about bouncing back, nice transition. Chris crushed it. We've got to start with the defense. Yeah, you know what? That is where I want to really dive in here by talking about the defense. After a rather disappointing showing against the Vikings last week, Joe Barry's unit turned in an inspired, gritty, gutsy effort against the high-powered Rams offense. Really, almost every area of the operation was much better this week. But the biggest thing they did Sunday, they got back to forcing turnovers after not coming up with any against Minnesota, despite having roughly 7,000 opportunities to do so. Two turnovers Sunday for the Packers defense, both of which were just, I mean, they were just huge, monstrous. First one, late first quarter, second down, Rams at their own 21. Stafford is sacked by Rashawn Gary. So good to have him back in the lineup after he missed the Vikings game. And Gary knocks the ball out. Preston Smith recovers. Just a great play by Gary. It looked like he was just going to wrap Stafford up for the sack, which would have been good enough. And then at the last second, he brought his arm up and just popped that ball loose. Gary is, he's special, man. He is a special special young player special talent only going to get better you know we're just he's just scratching the surface of how good he's going to be think about that great play there three plays later Aaron Rodgers keeper off the right edge one yard score Packers up seven nothing and then the aforementioned Douglas pick six which came late in the third with the Packers up 30 to 17 third and seven at the LA 28 Matt Stafford looking for Cooper Cup And Douglas simply jumps the route, picks it off, and it's a house call! House call! Pick six for the pack. Green Bay goes for two to make it a 21-point game. Rodgers is passed. MVS is tipped incomplete still. 36-17 with 2-0-1 to go in the third. Wow! What a play. And I know I mentioned it after his game-saving pick against Arizona, but man, what a find Razul Douglas was, eh? Again, major credit to Brian Gutekunst and company for that signing. I mean, they signed him off Arizona's practice squad in early October. October! And this dude just keeps coming up with big plays and big moments. Now, he did get burned on Odell Beckham Jr.'s, hey, I hope the weather in L.A. is worth it, dude. 54-yarder in the fourth, which wasn't great. Packers gave up two of those Sunday, two long touchdown passes. Of course, there was the 79-yarder from Stafford to Van Jefferson in the second quarter, which even one of those is bad. They gave up two, and yes... That has to get cleaned up in a hurry. But on the Beckham touchdown, the Packers probably should have had safety help over the top on that. Still, not not, that wasn't great from Douglas in that moment. But he had to pick six. And four passes defended Sunday. Four PBUs. So that's a winning effort from Razul Douglas, you know? He had a good day. Actually, he could have had two pick sixes in a row, really. Just couldn't hang on to one from Stafford on the drive right after his uh, 
house call. But I digress. Again, a very good day for him. And it wasn't just the turnovers either, you know, after allowing Minnesota to go a mind-numbing 9 of 13 on third down a week ago. The Packers' defense tightened up Sunday, only allowing the Rams to convert 4 of 13 third down attempts. So much better. The tackling was better. The coverage was better. But really, as far as the third downs go, the pressure was so much better this week. That was the biggest thing. Stafford could never really get comfortable on those third downs. And that forced a lot of incompletions, a lot of passes short of the sticks. They were winning that. They they dominated that down in this one. Uh, they also did a much better job containing the other guy's top receiving weapon. Justin Jefferson, of course, shredded Green Bay last week. I think he had 42 catches for 600 yards and 10 scores. Uh, uh, something like that. I think I'm close. This week, they faced Cup, another top 10 receiver in the league. And this time, held him to 96 yards on seven catches. Now, you're like, Chris, that's pretty good. 96 yards on seven. That's a good day. But think of it this way. Cup's longest reception of the day was only 22 yards. So, yeah, 96 yards. But I'd say a very quiet 96 yards, wouldn't you? He really did not impact this game in any major way other than that catch he had on the two-point conversion. Other than that, I really, I his impact was very minimal. Uh, and a number of guys on the defense had really outstanding days, in addition to Gary and Douglas, who I've already discussed. So we start with Kenny Clark. We start with Kenny Clark. I said we start with Kenny Clark. Kenny was a man possessed Sunday. Oh my God. He had a sack and a third and one run stop. Both of those came in the third or fourth quarter, excuse me. But there was a play. Now I want to talk about this. Third quarter. Packers have just gone up 27-17. Kenny starts off the ensuing Rams drive by barreling through to bring down the ball carrier for no first uh for stop, no gain. He was double teamed at one point. It almost looked like they had three guys trying to block him. And he still got through. Still got through. Incredible, incredible effort from Kenny today. And speaking of barreling through to stop ball carriers, Adrian Amos. Oh, man. Fourth and inches at the LA 30. Late first quarter. Sean McVay inexplicably decides to go for it. Total panic move. Still don't understand what he was thinking there. But Adrian Amos explodes through the gap. Brings Henderson down short of the first. Packers take over. Another really strong day from Amos. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make the Pro Bowl. In fact, I would say he's pretty close to a lock, at least in my opinion. I think he should be. Maybe even some all-pro consideration. He's been damn good. And you know, when this game got tight again in the fourth quarter after the Beckham touchdown and Green Bay's offense started to really stall out, the defense just put the clamps on and made sure the Packers would not lose. So yeah, a return to championship form for the defense after the hiccup last week. Great to see. Where the Packers are still not in championship form, however, is on the offensive side of the ball. Transitions rocking them tonight. (laughs) Still settling for too many field goals. Still too many promising drives stalling out. I mean, the three Mason Crosby field goals. Oh, don't worry more on Mason in a bit. The three field goals he made Sunday came on drives that stalled out at the LA 26, the LA 9, and the LA 11, respectively. For this offense, with the type of talent that they have, that is just not, it's not good enough. You've got to reach Paydirt on at least a couple of those, especially when you consider 
the caliber of opponent. And especially, especially when you consider that two of those drives started after big plays from the defense and special teams, respectively. Crosby's first field goal came after the Amos fourth down stop. Talked about that. And the last Crosby field goal came after the punt coverage group forced a J.J. Koski fumble in the third quarter. Look, you have to cash those in. You you have to you have to you have to get touchdowns after you get play after you get handed the ball in those positions from your defense and your special teams. You know you gotta. And there were others too. You know Green Bay's first offensive possession of the game. They reach the LA thirty eight before stalling out. They have to punt. End of the first half. They get a gift first down after a neutral zone infraction by the Rams on a Green Bay punt gives the Packers first down at their own forty two. Okay. Under a minute to play there, yes. But with this offense, that's not a huge issue, as we all know. But still, that drive stalls out at midfield, no points. Now, none of this killed them today. It did, no. But that's something that can really hurt you in a playoff game. And as we know, that's the prism. That's the lens that we're viewing all of this through, is how will this play in a playoff game? Because, right, that's the goal now. Championship or bust. That's how we have to view these performances, especially against really good teams like the Rams, you know? Um, you can't keep leaving points on the table against opponents like this. And the Packers have been doing it for large chunks of the season, really regardless of the opponent. It's so frustrating to see, isn't it? After they were so good at not settling for field goals last year. I mean, they were sharks in opposing territory last year. This year, not so much. Very frustrating. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it was all shit offensively Sunday, because it it wasn't, you know. There were some positives. The biggest one to me was the offensive line. All week, everyone, myself included, definitely myself included, wondered how this group, still without David Bakhtiari, and now without Elton Jenkins, who tore his ACL last Sunday against Minnesota, would perform against a vicious Rams front seven that I believe was leading the league in pass rush win rate coming in. Obviously, they just added Von Miller a couple weeks ago to go with Donald. and I mean, you know, damn. Well, Adam Stenovich again for president as he he had a makeshift offensive line ready to go, this time with Yash Nyman at left tackle. Really good performance from that group. Again, great coaching from Stenovich. Rodgers was only sacked once and hit five times. That's a titanic performance right there against that group from L.A., you know? Now, the run blocking wasn't as pretty, but they kept Rodgers clean for the most part, which, as we know, is always job number one for any Green Bay offensive line. And I'll tell you what, the run blocking doesn't have to be Sterling when you have a monster truck like A.J. Dillon in the backfield. Really, I'll tell you what. So Dillon for the day, 69 yards nice on 20 carries, and then five catches for 21 yards and a score. So... 25 touches for 90 yards and a score. But I'll tell you what. That was the most beautiful 69-yard nice, again, rushing performance you'll ever see. Ever. He is just a beast. A total joy to watch, isn't he? He made so many of those yards Sunday by himself, just lowering his shoulder, just dragging ball, just dragging defenders. I'll tell you what, Vince Lombardi was up there smiling and laughing his ass off watching Dylan. I can guarantee you that. He is a Lombardi back if I ever saw one. I mean, this some of the, this is just straight up Jim Taylor stuff he's doing out there. And it's again, it's just a joy to see. 
And he was really turning in some nifty work in the passing game. Making guys miss. Juking guys out of their jocks. Is it number 51 for the Rams? I can't think of his name now. But he he juked him so bad, that guy's fucking jock ended up in Appleton. <laughs> and his touchdown catch was rather impressive. Second goal at the five. Rodgers to Dylan out of the backfield. He breaks a tackle. Powers his way in for the score. Then Nyman comes over. Did you see this? Powers Dylan up. And then they both do the robot. I love it. Old school. Love it. PAT good. 27-17 pack. 7-18 to go in the third. That was great. But I, I, I got to tell you. You know what play of Dylan's I'm going to remember most from Sunday? Fourth quarter. Dylan takes a handoff. Picks up two yards. Chris, why why is that a play that you're going to... Why is that the one you're going to always remember? He couldn't be tackled. Do you remember this? He couldn't be tackled. There were three or maybe even four Rams trying. They just surrounded him. They were all driving into him, driving their shoulders into him to no avail. Couldn't bring him down. The ref finally blew the play dead, and there was AJ still standing, and he just turned and went, ah! <laughs> into the cold night, cold night air, man. Awesome. Awesome. I love this kid. Love him. Uh, some other good performances also. Randall Cobb was awesome in that first. He was really good in that first half. Four catches for 95 yards and a score. Left with a groin injury at halftime and didn't play the rest of the way because, of course, there has to be one worrisome injury every fucking week. The thing about Cobb, so, you know, he had so many yards after the catch Sunday. It's amazing to watch him work after the catch, isn't it? Because he's obviously not the biggest guy. You know, age has taken its toll, the injuries. He's not as fast as he once was, not as quick. But he's just, it's this weird combination of like being smart and shifty and just quick enough. You know, it's, I, I, the only way I could refer, I said on Twitter, he just kind of Randall Cobbs his way down the field. I think I've said this on the show. I think I said this way, way, way back on the show. I maybe even the first episode of the show that I did on Podbean, which was the Rogers Money game against the Bears when he, you know, hurt his knee. We thought he was done for the year, came back, led Green Bay to the comeback win for the season opener on Sunday Night Football. I think I used that term then, too. I said, Cobb just kind of Randall Cobbs his way down the field. That's the only way I can describe it. There goes Randall Cobb, Randall Cobbing. <laughs> and it's like, if you didn't, if you don't watch him, you wouldn't know what I mean, but I think you guys and, and, and gals as Packer fans will know what I mean. Like, when I say that, you go, yup, it's Randall Cobbing. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Obviously, Devontae Adams was really good in this one. Finished with eight catches for 104 yards. Really good. The 43-yarder he caught from Rodgers in the second quarter. What a beautiful release off the line from Adams. God, he's just a master at that, isn't he? Like, I shouldn't be surprised at this point. None of us should. But he still does it. He just jukes a guy off the line and gets that separation. You're like, Jesus, he's good. Great throw from Rodgers, too. I thought Rodgers had a nice day overall. 28 of 45, 307 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and then he had the aforementioned rushing touchdown. That he beat Jalen Ramsey on. Got to mention that. Um, thought he was better in the first half than the second half. The toe seemed to really be bothering him as the game went on. Seemed to really affect some of his throws in that second half, I thought. He was in pain, which yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, he's got a broken, you know, he's got a broken toe. It's not COVID toe. He showed us this week. He doesn't have COVID toe. It's broken toe. Got to get that right. You know, and more on his toe towards the end of the show. Hey, that rhymed. Special teams. 
there was certainly a lot that happened, was there not? Crosby with another miss. This one off the upright on a 42-yard attempt in the fourth. His ninth miss of the year. And even the kicks he made. A lot of those were shaky, weren't they? His first field goal was kind of knuckling and wobbling as it, it snuck through the uprights. And then he had the, the PAT that he barely made. I just, you know, I said last week if he had a really terrible showing today, it might be time to move on. Didn't happen, so I'm not. I'm still not ready to totally say it's time to move on from Crosby. But, I mean, you can't trust him in a playoff. How could you ever trust this kind of playoff game? That's got to be a concern. I'll tell you why. Because I talked about the offense already. The, the, the offense is, there's too many drives stalling out. You're settling for too many field goals. When you have that type of offense, plus a kicker that you don't trust, I mean, man, that could be death in a playoff game. That could kill you in the postseason. You have too many drives to stall out, and then you got Crosby out there missing kicks? It's not good. It's it's very much a concern still. I'll say that. Now some good. Corey Bjorquez. Bjorquez with another excellent day punting the football. Another excellent day punting the football. Put five punts, 42.4 average, three punts inside the 20. And his masterpiece, the 61-yarder. That cup, look like he tried to field, couldn't quite get it. Then he just let it roll, and they downed it at the one. Ugh. It's almost, it's a joy watching him punt. I never thought I'd say that about a Packer punter, ever. But it is with him. I'll tell you what, we riot. We fucking riot if Corey, if he isn't signed, if he isn't resigned. Because he's a free agent at the end of the year. I can't go back now. I can't go back to shitty punting. Not after seeing this. We riot. Like, the goods style riot, if you've seen that movie. You know, sawing Uncle Sam stilts in half. Who brought an alligator? If you've seen that scene, that movie's hysterical. Not enough people have seen that movie. That riot scene, that's what we're going to do at Lambeau if he's not re-signed. I'll tell you what. Uh, some more good. Forcing the Koski fumble and the punt return, which I talked about. Awesome work by Dominique Daphne to strip the ball there. Nice job by Chris Barnes to recover it. That was good to see. And then lastly, now we end with some more negative. <laughs> I guess we can shit-can the Randall Cobb as punt returner idea, huh? Seemed like a great idea, but then there's Cobb muffing a punt in the second quarter that led to a Rams field goal. You know, because the thing with Amari Rogers wasn't it wasn't going well, and then he 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 made a mistake on one early in the game. So they said they did what we all wanted him to do, which is just put Randall Cobb back there and have him fair catch it. And then Cobb couldn't even do that; he fumbled it. I don't know what you do now because I don't know if you can trust Cobb either. Like, I think maybe you just try to find one over the pie, bring some returners in. I don't care if they can do anything else; even if they can just catch the ball for a fair catch. That's all I care about at this point. You know. So I'm not sure I like any of the in-house options. I'll tell you that much. Okay, so tell people to write questions in on Twitter, email, all the you know the fun forums, and they did not disappoint. Definitely have some questions and comments. So let's start now. Let's go to Twitter first. Why not? We start with Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell, longtime friend of the show. Speaking of the Podbean days, I know Justin was listening back then. Thank you for that. He writes, I don't understand how we could be 9-3 and three and yet never have a nice, relaxing blowout win. Oh, well, had to have this W regardless. So excited to see what this team can look like down the stretch if we can get all our guys back. Always feels good to get a win before the bye. 
Yeah, it's never easy for this team, is it? It certainly doesn't feel that way. I feel like the Washington game that I was at, the throwback game, that was fairly relaxing, but that might have just that might just be because I was drunk. But I don't yeah, no, you're right. I mean it's been it's been tense. Most of these games have been tense and tight. Uh at least for large chunks of the games. But yeah, it was big to get the win, you know. They they I thought they really had to have this one. I just going into the bye, losing two in a row, especially with Rodgers injured, it just I definitely agree. I felt like this was kind of a must win after losing last week. So yeah, agree with you there. Our next one comes from Scott at Cincy Badger 98. Uh he writes Hold on. Here we go. The game should not have been that close. Offense and defense both left points out there. Do you think Crosby is now automatic glare at Boho after a missed field goal is because he's blaming him for the hold? Or is it just, WTF is wrong with me, man? Not again. Uh, you know what? That's a great, that's a really good question about Crosby. I guess I don't know. I did notice it, though. I noticed that he, he definitely automatically looks at Boho. I, I would think it's Crosby. I would think it's the latter. Because Crosby's not a, a big point-the-fingers kind of guy. You know, he's he, he takes it on himself. And even if, you know, just looking at Boho, if he was, you know what I'm saying? Like, you glare at a guy like that, everybody would think, oh, he's blaming him. But I don't think Crosby's that kind of dude. Like, even if he was mad at, at, at the holds, he would tell him privately. He would never, he would never try to show him up like that during a game. So I think he's, I think he's taking it on himself, you know? And it sucks. It sucks to see Crosby struggle like this because we all love Mason Crosby. But like, it's just, it's not getting any better. And it just feels like it's just, he's kind of out of gas. He's just, it's just, you know, he's at the end of the line. It stinks. But yeah, I, I think it's Crosby definitely taking it on himself. He's not blaming the holds. Um, our next one comes from my old, old bag of donuts podcast co-host. Adam Summers, Brew Crewer at A Summers underscore time. He writes, Damn it, you stole what I was going to say simply. Kenny Clark is a man. He is. He is. He is just. He and I'll tell you what, I don't know if a lot of people realize this. He just fucking turned 26 in October. Like, he's just now entering his prime. Like. There's going to be a lot more of this in the years to come, provided he stays healthy. Like, we're just now seeing Kenny become full Kenny. You know? It's a little bit like, well, Giannis just, was Giannis 27 next month? It's the same thing. It's like, you see this greatness, you know, and and it's like, you think you've seen so many great, it's like, it's not going to get better, but it still could. Kenny could still get better. I still think there's one tippy top level more he could get to. And I think he's going to get there, and it's really exciting to think about what he's going to be. Um, our next one comes from Forno, or, or excuse me, Ian at Ian Coppins, who writes Forno with Yash starting. Who do you trade in the off season? Sixty nine or seventy three? Sixty nine, of course, being David Bakhtiari, and seventy three being Yash Nyman. Um, okay, so that's an. I did want to look that up quick. Sorry, this is scintillating. You guys, you seen any good movies lately? Um, I wanted to look up Nyman's contract status because I, I I couldn't remember what it was. Let's see. Going to spot track now. Nyman is 
He's going to be a restricted free agent after this season. So interesting spot the Packers will be in there because... Oh, did they change the tenders? 2021, 2022. So the Packers will have to choose one of three tenders for Nyman. The right of first refusal, which would put him on a one-year deal at $2.396 million. The second round tender, which would put him at $3.927 million. Or the first round tender, which would put him at $5.479 million. Now, the right of first refusal, all you can do is match if he signs an offer sheet and you just get compensation, I believe, in the round he was picked. Is that right? I hope that's right. Um, But he was an undrafted guy, so they wouldn't get anything there. I would think with, with him, they're going to have to probably put the second round tender on him. Yeah. Because if they do the low tender, I could definitely see someone with what he's done. With his raw tools and how he's performed so far this season, I could definitely see somebody swooping in to give him an offer sheet. And with the Packers' cap space being what it is, <laughs> it would be tough for the Packers to match. Well, you don't want to lose him for nothing. So I would think they'll put the second-round tender on him, yeah. And just say, hey, you know, if someone wants to sign him to an offer sheet, again, probably can't match because their cap situation is going to be a nightmare next season. But, hey, they get a second-round pick so they could add to their arsenal. So, yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, I think you're, you're kidding about Bakhtiari because, of course, they're not going to trade. They're not going to trade Bakhtiari. But I think they are going to be in an interesting spot with Neiman, and I think they're going to I think they're gonna have to, to put that. I don't think they'll do the first-round tender. But I could see him putting a second-round tender on him for sure. Yeah, definitely could see that. Um, is there one more? Yes, there's one more from Twitter. Uh, Lucky at the Madisonian, he writes, burp, burp, try to keep it real. Should ESB be promoted ahead of Lazard? ESB is looking crisp and mature while the alien lizard was lost in a fog for much of the night. Hashtag go pack go. Um, that's an interesting question because Lazard definitely struggled in this one. Now, how much of that is him coming back after, you know, you got to think his shoulders still, his injured shoulders still bothering him. So I don't know how much of his struggles were the shoulder thing or whatever, but you're right. He didn't, you're right. Lazard did not look good. You know, Lazard is never, he's not a burner. Lazard's whole thing, as we know, is making tough catches in tight coverage. Well, he had some opportunities to do that in this one and didn't. So that's an issue, you know? I do think ESB, I agree. I was very impressed by what I saw from Equinemia St. Brown last week. Not so much in this one. He almost had that one incredible catch that was almost picked, and then he almost caught it as he was going down. Couldn't quite haul it in. That would have been a highlight reel to end all highlight reel catches if he had pulled that in. But, um, yeah, I do feel like ESB is coming on a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some more looks. I don't know if they'll promote him ahead of Lazard because Lazard's thing is it's kind of specialized. You know, he's a run blocker. He adds so much in that area. Of course, he also has to catch passes, and if he's not doing that... Um, so that's my long-winded way, I guess, of saying, yeah, I could see ESB getting some... some, some, some uh, I could see him getting promoted ahead of Lazard. Yeah, I suppose I could see that, for sure. Certainly he'll get more touches. I think he deserves to be a little bit more involved in the offense. Yeah. All right. So those are the Twitter questions. Thanks for those. We go now to the email. Whoop. 
see what we got here. All right. First email comes from Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. God bless you, Kyle. I was dreading the game all week. With our injuries and the O-line being banged up, I wasn't expecting much. But when Sunday arrived, I felt really good for whatever reason. I felt in my gut when I woke up that we would win. I was right. The defense showed up for the most part. The two big touchdown plays weren't great, but that pick six and the fumble recoveries were sublime. Special teams was bad and good. Packers better keep Boho or we should storm Lambeau Field in a huge riot. Haven't had a punter that good in a very long time. Injury God may have skipped this game as long as the Cobb injury isn't that bad. Let's hope we don't lose anyone this coming week. If I may be permitted to look ahead, let me ask this. Of the top teams in the NFC, who are you most concerned about in the playoffs? Go Pack Go. Follows up. Also, got to give a shout out to the other Kyle. Mr. Kyle, who used to have Twitter. No reason. Just making sure us Kyle stay together. Oh, you see? Yeah. Kyle's sticking together. Kyle's uniting. You love to see it. I really am thinking about if I could somehow do a Kyle's segment every week where it would just be me and you two guys. I, I'm still thinking about maybe trying that at some point. We'll see. Um, I don't know how we do that because I don't really know how to record interviews. But we'll, fig- may- we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so a lot to unpack here. Uh, and I agree with most of what you said because it's a lot of what I've talked about. Um, yeah, you know, you talked about uh, you felt good. I, I felt that way too. I, I don't know if I thought they were going to lose throughout the week. I didn't feel great about the game. But Sunday, I felt a little better when I woke up, and then seeing that Gary was going to play and Lazard and and Jonesy, Aaron Jones, you know, struggled getting anything going. I don't think that was so much his fault as just the run blocking was not very good. It was more of a day for an AJ Dillon type, a guy who can kind of make his own yards, as opposed to a slasher like Jonesy. It was more of a day for Dillon, um, so I'm not worried about that. But yeah, I, when I saw those three guys were playing, I started feeling better about it, and then by the time the game started, I thought, I, you know, I think they're going to win. Something about the line moving to minus, Rams minus two, I was like, I think the Packers are going to win this one. So I agree with you there. Yep, agree with you on Boho, the plan, all that other stuff. Um, okay, so great question. Who am I most concerned about in the playoffs? Okay, in the NFC. Now, I know I kind of trashed him on Twitter a couple weeks ago, but I, I think it's probably still, it's got to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? I mean, just because of Brady. <laughs> that's, that's a talented veteran team they know what it takes they won the super bowl last year and brady you know brady's like fucking michael myers and jason Voorhees and pinhead and freddy krueger all rolled into one you know it's you just he's hard to kill he's hard to knock out so i would say definitely tampa bay is still the team i'm most concerned about for sure um so thank you for writing in and then we have another one from see the other kyle kyle to kyle here we go one kyle Passes the baton to the next Kyle. This is Kyle who used to have Twitter. He writes, Watching Rodgers limp around makes me really concerned about whether or not this team can go the distance. Every time Crosby kicks, my blood pressure goes up 20 points. Why doesn't this team run out more from under center? Where was A.J. Dillon in the fourth quarter? Also, I love me some A.J. Dillon. Thank God for the bye. Go Pat Go. Yeah, thank God for that. No shit, eh? Um, okay, so the Rodgers thing. Glad you brought that because I said I wanted to talk about it towards the end because I saw what you wrote and this is a good opportunity. The toe is an issue. It's it's an issue. It affected him, I thought, in the first half against Minnesota last week and then I thought it affected him, interestingly enough, in the second half this week. I felt like, I think that's probably being outside in the cold for that long. 
you know, the toe really starts to hurt. You get hit a little bit. It's it's an issue. Rogers said after the game he was going he's going to meet. I think this was uh, from Ryan Wood from PackersNews.com. Said he's going to meet with Rogers. Said he's going to meet with the medical staff tomorrow, so Monday, to figure out the next course of action. His tone has changed on this. He said for the last weeks, I'm not having surgery. I'm just going to fight through it. And now hearing what he said after the game Sunday, I'm starting to think he may opt to have surgery. And I actually think that might be the best call. So they've got the... Because if you're going to do it, you have to do it now, right? With the bye coming up. Now, I'm not a doctor, although I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, Corny joke. He... uh, I did look up... Little toe, sur- broken, little toe, broken surgery recovery time. And it said it was about four to six weeks would be the recovery. Now, I'm thinking it probably would be more towards the, you hope it's more towards the, the four weeks. Now, let's be, let's go optimist here and say it's four weeks. If he has the surgery like tomorrow or Tuesday, probably with Robert Anderson, right? One of the best foot doctors in the country who's in Green Bay. Um, you wouldn't have to travel anywhere. He could probably have the surgery. You're thinking he'd miss next week. He would be a bye. He would miss the Bears game coming out of the bye, the Ravens game, and prop maybe have a shot to be back for the Browns game on Christmas Day. Because that would be just about a month. Just about about four weeks minus a day because it's a Saturday game. I'm starting to think he should have the surgery, and I think he should because... If you remember 2014, he injured his calf late in the year. It, he tried to play through it and, and played really well. Won an MVP that year. But he injured, injures his calf late in the year. And it, it, it was a factor. It was constantly something to deal with, you know. And it really hindered him in that NFC Championship game that they choked away against Seattle. If Rodgers is more mobile, I'm still convinced they win that game. But he couldn't do everything he was doing at that time, you know. Because he doesn't really run much now, but you remember he was he was he was running quite a bit back in those days. But he couldn't, and it really fucked the team up. And I think it's a big reason why they lost that game. Do you want that? Do you want this to be that part two? But now Rogers is seven years older. I'm not sure it's something you want to you want to have you know you want to deal with for the rest of the way. Because it's right now it's November 29th. The Super Bowl is until February 13th. <laughs> That's a long that's a long time to be playing with a broken toe, even if it is your pinky toe. Which, as we know, is the one that cried wee 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 all the way home. Um another corny joke. It's late. But uh I'm just not sure it's something you want to have hanging, you know, you want to be dealing with. If he has it now, there's a chance he maybe only misses two games. The Bears at home on Sunday night football, that's a very winnable game, even with Jordan Love. Now, you're probably going to lose at Baltimore the next week. But you go 1-1. One and one, Right, best case scenario, he has a surgery, misses four weeks. You go 1-1. One and one, And you're 10-4 and four going into that Christmas Day game against the Browns. With a basically 100% Aaron Rodgers. Rested, and the toe is fixed. Doesn't that sound better than he plays with this all season? Because again, it's not just... Not, it's not just... It affects him during games. He's not practicing. You know, or he's practicing. He is practicing, but not as much. You know, it's not a full week of practice. And that affects timing. 
Because that's what passing is. It's all about timing and rhythm. It's hard to get into that rhythm on game day when you're not practicing. Or you have, you know, reduced, greatly reduced practice time. So, I hope I'm not rambling. But uh, I, yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to do everything they want to do if he doesn't have the surgery. I'll say that. So, I think, and I think it's going to happen. It's now getting your ass kicked by Baltimore will probably suck. <laughs> but but if they can go one and one, get Rogers back at ten and ten and four, Rogers back on Christmas Day, that'd be good. So there's my thoughts on that. Um why don't they run out from more from under center? That's a good that's a great question. I don't know. I feel like that would help Dylan more for sure. And Jones, too. So yeah. All right, thank you to Kyle. And then the last question comes from Ben Johnson. Who writes, hey, hey, Lempis? Is Lemps? Lemps. You can say Lemps or Lempises. This game had me nervous before it even started. Billy Turner, the one offensive lineman starting from last year's team. 50-50 chances on Aaron Jones and a one-armed Gary playing. But the pack came through with the W. Okay, Randall Surehands Cobb drops a punt. Thought I was watching the Gophers-Badgers for a flash of a second. But Rogers comes right back to him and makes the Rams pay. Thanks, Nine Toes, for great pitching. Who else can thread the ball in there better than 12? Do you love Douglas, the pick six, and he uh, he's a practice squad guy for the Cardinals? How about ESB on special teams? When was the last time the Packers punt coverage team downed the ball inside the five? With the way they hit, pounded, and blocked the Rams, this team will probably spend half their bye week in a hot tub and well-deserved. Defense, third down stops, short runs by AJ. Short passes to Adams and company. It's about time the Packers showed flashes of the MLF game plan. On the downside, the defense was tired in the fourth quarter and the prevent D didn't help and Rodgers could not punch anything in to put the game away and almost let the Rams back in. Here's hoping the pack get healthier over the bye week. Curious as usual to hear your take on the game, Ben. Okay, so thanks for writing in, Ben. Lots unpacked there as usual. I always appreciate that. Um, let's see, where should we go here on this? Um, nine toes. That's funny. Who else can tell the... I mean, Rodgers, you know? Yeah. He was slinging some darts, man. I say he had a pretty good game, especially the first half. He was really slinging some darts, some bullets. That was that was really good. Um, yeah, Douglas is awesome. Yeah, and ESB, you know, he's been really good on the coverage units too. That's part of the reason why I think he deserves more opportunities at receiver. You know, he's played his ass off on special teams. You know, and I've been down, I've been down on him as much as anybody, but he's, I feel like he's earned some opportunities in the passing game. Sure, why not? Because, you know, like I said, Lazard is not really lighting it up this season. It's been kind of frustrating to watch. So maybe we, maybe you put ESB in there and he gives you a spark. Um, yeah, the short passes were good. You know, there was still a little too much home run chasing for my liking. You know, if it's third and two, maybe just get two. You don't have to throw a 20-yard bomb into the end, or a 30-yard bomb into the end zone. But, uh, yeah, it felt like they got a little bit more back to the Matt LaFleur game plan at times, which was good. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, yeah, and they need to get healthy. You're absolutely right. That's the big, that is the biggest thing for this team is get freaking healthy. Okay. So thanks to everybody who wrote in questions and comments. Always appreciate it. Again, you could be doing anything in the world after a game and you decide to drop me a line. I always appreciate it. Big picture time now, 47 minutes in. After an off season full of drama, Packers fans hoping for a quiet regular season have gotten, well, the exact opposite. The injuries have been plentiful. COVID has reared its ugly head. The national spotlight was on the team's franchise player, the reigning most valuable player, and not in a good way. 
Yet through it all, the Packers have won. And won. And won some more. Every time it has felt like things might go sideways, Green Bay responds with a win. Reminding you just how good it is in the process. Sunday was yet another example of that. The Packers can go into their week off feeling good about what they've laid down thus far this season. They've put themselves in in position. <laughs> they've put themselves in position to do some truly wonderful things once they resume play. At times, this season has felt so crazy. If it were a script, no one in Tinseltown would touch it, fearing the public would find it too insane to ever believe. But if these resilient Packers can somehow, some way stay healthy, and begin to get some key pieces back, they can wrap this season up in the shadow of the Hollywood sign with a happy ending. Okay, so that just about wraps up this episode of Lemps Talk and Pack. I hope you all had as much fun listening as I did recording it. It's always a blast. Love it. We look ahead now to... Nothing. That's right. Again, it's the Packers bye week, so no game next week, which means no show for me. Thought about maybe doing something, but you know what? I think I'm going to take the week off as well. Hey, podcasters need a break too, right? Come on. (laughs) The Packers will return to action two weeks from now, Sunday, December 12th, as they host the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field. That one will be on NBC's Sunday Night Football, which means a 7.20 p.m. Lambeau time start. All I can say about that one is the Bears still suck. And I'll be back to recap that one, win, lose, or draw, that Sunday night. Of course, it will be Monday morning, the 13th, when you hear it. So keep your eyes and your ears out for that one. And yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy-ass world. And remember... Always and forever, go pack, go.